Hello, sons. Hello, daughters. This is your host, Billy Ray Mitchell from the Sons of Saturday. Just wanted to bring in a couple of post or pre-pod notes here for you. We taped a interview with Austin Gable touching up on the Virginia Tech wrestling program and the state of the ACC wrestling. Unfortunately, due to technology, yes, Pat and I happen to be in the technology space. No, we don't know everything about technology. We experienced some technological if difficulties, but rest assured, rest assured, we are going to re-record and post this interview with Austin Gable later in the week. Please stay tuned. That is the format it will go from now on. From now on, we release our typical weekly episode, followed by any interviews that we do later will be posted later on in the week. Other than that, enjoy the episode. Hope we all enjoyed the national championship, or if you're listening to it during the national championship, I hope um, that it is music or information or uh, footballery slash basketballery to your ears. But to end this up, Stay tuned. Austin Gable interview is coming. More interviews down the line. Uh, Enjoy this episode, and we'll get that to you as quickly as possible. Happy listening, everybody. everybody welcome back to the sons sons of saturday recording on sunday it's sunday afternoon january 12th nfl football coming at you hot but we got stuff coming at you here over the next 50 minutes maybe maybe it'll be 50 maybe it'll be 45 we'll be talking about the mike young era we'll be talking about some hokey wrestling we got austin gable coming on uh, at the end here, so stick around. He's going to talk to us about our big-time win over West Virginia yesterday and the outlook of the ACC in wrestling. And we also got a ton of letters from the Lunch Pail that we'd like to dig into as well, and uh, followed by a uh, national championship preview. So, without further ado, Grayson, kick us off with your personalized haiku that you wrote a couple minutes ago. Yes. Yeah, so, um, again, I uh, wrote the Hokie Haiku for this week. Here we go. And I quote, Mike Young freaking rules. The popcorn is popping off. Home run higher by wit. I love Bingo. that. That's poetry. Good I love haiku. That. I did that for you guys. Before we roll into, uh, into the basketballery here, um, I want to talk about, look, guys, we've been talking football for so long and sports that I really think we need to, look, you guys are my friends, podcast listeners, you're our friends, let's talk about what we have going on in our lives. As I mentioned in the previous episode, Keto Bill is in the building. We got the little strips, no, not the pregnancy strips, the Keto strips. You pee on the strip, the strip turns a color, and it tells you where your ketones are. I have entered ketosis and thus lost six pounds. We are on the way to 20 pounds in 2020, so super fired up about that. Pat, what is the most exciting thing going on with you right now? Most exciting thing going on with me. Uh, it was 70 degrees here in Arlington yesterday, and it is 70 degrees again today. So that means we wear flip-flops to Harris Teeter. Uh, <laughs> that is the most exciting thing that's happened to me in the past week. Grayson, what about you, man? The... 
most exciting thing that's happened to me in the past week is just a couple of days ago, I was informed that one of the sons of Saturday will be in Los Angeles, California, two weeks from now. And that that son is Billy Ray Mitchell. He will be out on the West Coast, uh, I believe, Saturday or no, Friday, January 24th. And he's going to spend a weekend with yours truly. And I cannot wait. That, that, that was definitely the best part of my week, finding out that Bill is going to be in L.A. Cannot wait for that. That's wonderful. We'll sit around. Maybe uh, I think we'll sit inside, watch every Lakers game from 1985 and listen to Mount Joy on maximum volume. Isn't that what you guys do out there in California? I'm pretty sure that's not at all what we do, but um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to show you the sights. We'll go down to the beach, may go to the comedy store, may do a little hike because you and I got 20 pounds to lose in 2020. So, hey, hey. So, hey, hey. Um, unlike Bill, though, uh, I'm, I'm happy that you have already lost six pounds. I, for one, have lost maybe, maybe one. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little bit behind, so I got to play catch up, but... Uh, super excited for you to be out here, man. Really, really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it as well, G. Um, we got we got some awesome, awesome basketball to talk about here. Hokie Hoops, NC State, it was a huge matchup, a sellout in Castle on Saturday. Not sure who watched it, but it was a huge game. Very similar net rating. Um, again, a sellout. And the Hokies go down 10 early here. Um, Pat. Talk to me about your guy calling the timeout, settling the troops down, getting Landers Nolly like, hey, man, you can score a lot of points. Go on and go ahead and do that. You got a green light. Pat, what did we see out of the basketball team on Saturday? So uh, I've, I've learned from Grady Baker, who's a, uh, a longtime listener of the Suns, that um, Mike Young, instead of – so Buzz would gather the, uh, the players together in a huddle on the court – and when they're huddling in Castle under the Mike Young regime, he has them huddle over by the bench. And he's you know, super strategic. And uh, really, he provides some of the energy uh, to pump these guys up. You know, Because you got a, a bunch of young players who really haven't been able to settle in yet to conference play and settle in playing uh, you know, big opponents in Castle. So Mike calling timeout and telling Landers and... Uh, the rest of the guys just to, guys, calm down. You know, it's going to be all right. We reel off 13 straight points, take a 13 to 10 lead. And, you know, for, for most of the game, just, you know, didn't really look back. Uh, it was always like a six to eight point game, uh, you know, f- from the second half of the first half uh, onward. And it was just a great performance. It was great to see Castle rocking. Uh, I know the students aren't back yet, but um, as far as having a sellout, this early in January, and uh, having Castle rocking was pretty great. I gotta say, another thing that I noticed is coming out of that timeout, um, I thought that the play that we ran out of the timeout was a microcosm of, of just kind of this team's identity. The first bu- bucket was a, was a pick and roll, Beatty takes it to the baseline, and uh, as their defense switched, Radford, super heads up play, cuts to the basket, easy two. And as I watch this basketball team, obviously the, the, the great ball movement sticks out, the great shooting sticks out, but the two things that I love, everything is contested and nobody stops moving, whether it's on the defensive end or the offensive end. And you find yourselves getting those hustle points, getting those hustle plays that um, you know, you're not really accustomed to across all of college basketball. There's no selfishness on this team, and uh, it's just been a 
a real pleasure to watch. And and Grayson, after this, go right on ahead. But a quote that I loved uh, pregame that they said during the broadcast was Mike Young says, I am no one without Wibisabidi. He played a masterful game on Saturday, Grayson. Uh, what did you see out of, out of BD t- yesterday and quite honestly all year? BD's a hustler, man, and he's the glue. He's the glue to this basketball team. The fact that he stayed in Blacksburg after Coach Williams went to Texas A&M uh, is a testament, I think, to, to who he is, not only as a player, but just as a person in general. Uh, he trusted uh, Whit Babcock to make the right hire, and he most certainly did. Um, he is the floor general. He's done a great job replacing J-Rob, uh, It's and what a great – mentor j-rob probably was to bd uh, and you definitely see the fruits of that relationship that they had this year um and without bd i don't think that this is the same team at all and he's not out there i mean he had two points yesterday but but that doesn't matter you have to have the guy who is is the glue and and keeps everybody together um, I mean, you have Landers Nolly out there dropping 29 points and Tyrese Radford out there dropping 18. Without those guys, we're not doing as well either. Without P.J. Horn making hustle plays. I mean, it's all just one giant family, it seems like. And Mike Young, it's like he calls Wabisa Beatty his buddy. And you see that. I think that they have a great relationship. And I, guys, if you had told me at the beginning of this basketball season that we would have wins over Michigan State, and we'd be twelve and four. And it just—I I can't believe it. It really is so awesome to see, and I can't wait to see what the guys do going forward. One of my favorite plays from yesterday was—you uh, know, Grayson, you were talking about the hustle plays and guys getting on the floor um, early in the first half. Uh, that one play where the, it looked like the ball was going out of bounds, someone grabbed it, and it was like a hot potato of. The ball going around, but also guys just diving around, uh, throwing the ball to each other. <laughs> it was kind of hilarious, but also you know a true testament what you were just talking about. And um, another thing that has just been awesome has uh, you know, Beatty is the leader, but also you got these freshmen emerging as leaders. I mean, Tyrese Radford, that guy is getting every rebound, and he's not a huge guy. He's six one. Uh, 205 so not a huge frame out there but he's averaging six rebounds a game and was really hoping he was get the double double yesterday but uh, he finished with 18 and 9 but um, you know, he's been one of those uh, guys who's really shined through uh, on this young team 18 and 9 and a monstrous block that he sent to Roji that caused me to jump out of my seat in my underwear uh, eating my pistachios I was losing my mind when he sent that to Roji, uh, but so many, so many great plays from yesterday. You had the SWAT, you had uh, you had the hot potato, you had Jalen Cohn launching it from Jupiter, uh, and then the <laughs> NC State coach had that was freaking out. I mean, just this team is so fun to watch. They love each other. Everyone's a great interview. Uh, Mike Young is a great interview. Just like I said, Grayson, in the in the in the Hokey Haiku, a slam dunkarino in the uh, in the higher column. Cannot be more happy with uh, with that outcome. Um, moving on from basketball, as we said, this episode is going to be a little bit uh, a little bit different here. Um, we are going to take all of your questions from before, 
maybe from this week, maybe from last week, maybe over the course of the season, and just run through them. We have some fun questions, but we didn't have time to get to them. We got to answer the questions that are prevalent. Now we can do some backlogging here and some housekeeping. And you know what? I have my own submission for the letter of the lunch pail. A little bit of a surprise for you two, and I know you, we're going to get passionate answers from you. My question is, JMU lost in the uh, FCS um, uh, pillow fight bowl yesterday. And I'm just curious as to why Virginia Tech fans are so outraged with everything that has to do with JMU. Let, let me just get through that. I understand. I, I kept getting hit with the, you didn't grow up in Virginia, you don't understand. I kept getting hit with the, you don't remember 2000 and whatever year. Um, <laughs> maybe not in that accent, but here's my thing. Rutgers doesn't care what Princeton's doing. Cal doesn't care what Cal Polytech is doing. And you know what? Are we really tuning in to ESPN 7 to listen to Mark freaking Jones' house call? Listen to that clown call a game against another school that is literally on the side of a highway? Are we that concerned with a school that is on the side of a highway? Grayson, I know you have an emotional response to this. Please talk to me about this JMU outrage. So... <clears throat> to anybody who might have responded to you on Twitter yesterday, I, I didn't see what the replies were. <laughs> I think I saw your tweet. Uh, I, I have to say, you weren't there that night. <laughs> you weren't there. We, I mean, dude, after they beat us in 2010, they made T-shirts. It's just, it's like, that win, they might as well have... have left the planet and gone to Saturn. Like they were just on a different wavelength of hype and they would never shut up about it for years to this day. They don't shut up about it. And it bothers me when their students, their current students are like uh, 21 to 16. I was like, you infant were an infant when that game shut up, shut up. I was there in the pouring down room after a very tough loss to Boise state. By the way, big boy football, big boy football. Uh, and JMU got lucky that they caught us in the freezing cold rain on that terrible, terrible afternoon in September. We had Tyrod. I mean, we we were playing them, what, in 2025? I'll put it this way. Wear black that day, JMU, because we're about to bury your asses. And I know <laughs> we're not supposed to say the A dollar dollar sign on here. You know, we like to keep it clean. But, oh, that game, 2025, all i got to say is I cannot wait. We are, going to, we are going to destroy you. So that's why. That's why. I just – I don't like that their fans don't let us – like, they just don't let us hear the end of it. Okay. And especially their students. Like, you didn't watch the game, so you can't talk crap to me about it. Okay. And also – your national championship, I remember after they won it for the first time a couple years ago or whatever, maybe the second time, they were like, we want Bama. No, you don't. I promise you, you don't. That That is big boy football. I'm getting carried away. Pat, what do you think about JMU? I'm sorry. <laughs> getting a little uh, fired up here. Uh, you know, they have a nice half football stadium. Kind of wonder <laughs> if they have a half um, half basketball arena as well, a half baseball field. Um <laughs> I think that any airplay that we give them, any any uh, mention we give of JMU is like, why are we doing this? Why are we concerning ourselves with them? I get it. They beat us 10 years ago. If they want to attack us first and we want to retaliate and you know say 
say some some things about them on social media, you know, whatever. Um, but I think any attention that we give to them is kind of just like, why are we doing this? Why aren't we exerting this energy positively in another direction? But I do think they are, you know, kind of annoying. Um, and I will be looking forward to beating them in 2025. But I think it, there is kind of like, I don't know, some Hokie fans take it a little too far with the, you know, why are we concerning ourselves with them? I will say, I will say, Shout out to all my JMU friends. I have plenty of friends who go to JMU, and they're all great people. Like, I, I don't hate anybody who has ever gone to JMU, has a degree from JMU. JMU is a great school. Just when it comes to athletics and and especially football, let us do that. Let us do that. Okay? <laughs> Shut up. Stop talking about 2010. See you in 2025. We're going to beat your ass. All right. Moving on. Grayson, you had the first question here um, from Mark Rainey, future of the quarterback room. We foresee it. We foreseeable have HH for the next two seasons. Will Quincy Patterson stick around for one year to start before D Davis is ready? I was saying to you guys before this, I don't know if Quincy Patterson will ever play another down as quarterback. I could see, and I would love if he were maybe moved to tight end. Something like that. I don't think if Qu- if Qu- I'll put it this way: if Quincy Patterson wants to stay a quarterback, then he may decide to enter the transfer portal. If that's what if he wants to stay a quarterback, I could see him going elsewhere, uh, especially with Burmeister uh, and that competition lining up this coming spring, which we're all really excited about, and then with Demetrius Davis coming uh, two years from now. I don't know. I, I just I don't see Quincy playing another down as a quarterback at Virginia Tech. So there's there's my answer to that question. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that 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 a lot of people have gotten kind of carried away with here is 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 kind of trying to pigeonhole. Um, and you didn't try to pigeonhole if he wants to play quarterback or or if he wants to play quarterback, he has to go somewhere else. I mean, as you know, especially this year, you never know what happens with injury. You never know what happens with circumstance. So. You know, I think I think he's given no reason to think that he doesn't absolutely love Virginia Tech. Um, and again, he's been nothing but a good teammate. He's been, you know, he was monumental to one of our biggest wins this season. So, you know, there's a lot of development that goes on in the off season, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think uh, I think those that conversation is something that uh, that you know, he's a smart kid. He's going to do what's best for him, and you know, I don't see a reason why he would he would be looking to shop around. But we'll see. We certainly love having him in uh, in maroon and orange. Um, of course. Question of course. for all of us here: uh, potential breakout stars for 2020 from the crab. Um, Karsten. Karsten. Um Guys, what do you think, Pat? Starting with you, man. Breakout stars for 2020. I really am excited to see this running back room next year. I know we got a couple more questions about the running backs um, later down the line here. But with Herbert, uh, Keyshawn King, and this new transfer from Rutgers, who uh, is going to have to get a waiver from the NCAA, whether he can play or not. Um, He did have a new coach come in at Rutgers. But um, Raheem Blackshear... Uh, Keyshawn King and uh, Khalil Herbert are going to wreak havoc. Um, and I'm really interested to see how we can run the ball next year. Uh, those will be my three. What do you guys think? Honestly, man, I'm, I'm excited to see how uh, Jacoby Pinckney and Jaden Payout uh, – is, is that how you say his last name, Payout? Is Payout. that it? Payout. Payout, okay. Yeah. Regardless, uh, I hope that 
Jaden Payute and Jacoby Pinckney really show out. Both were four-star wide receivers, uh, two of the best in their respective recruiting class. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of fit into the system. Um, Assuming Hazleton comes back for the time being and Trey Turner uh, obviously is coming back and everything. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere, despite what some other Hokies may may say about him. Um, I'm really excited to see what those two do and, and how they will contribute in the offense next season and join that insane rotation of receivers that we're going to have. Bill, what do you got? So um, this is going to sound like a Homer answer, but uh, but it's it, it's a real answer. I, I I'm really excited about having a year, hopefully, fingers crossed, where we're able to have a quarterback learn the system, run the system, and we run the system to their strengths. Um, if you really want to get excited about the potential of this offense, the potential of what we're able to do. Go back and watch 2015 and go back and watch Memphis in 20, uh, 2015 and 2014, excuse me, um, with just the creativity that they were able to do with a mobile quarterback um, in terms of a lot of the motions that we run now that are, uh, you know, the jet sweeps that are more window dressing than they are options. Paxton Lynch was running a ton of triple option stuff where you'd have the running back go right behind the line for a shovel option and then he'd run the uh, run the speed option with the wide receiver. So I'm really excited to see whoever starts a quarterback next year really get an opportunity to have a playbook for them to dominate. Again, people forget we went into the season this year expecting and practicing all year to have a pocket passing Ryan Willis, went to Hendon Hooker. He missed a game here, was banged up here, so we really did have a limited playgroup book. I'm really excited to see what we do on offense as kind of our breakout star and get back to what we were doing with Evans um, with more of a mobile uh, mobile attack here. So that's that's my answer for that. And Pat, as we were uh, kind of a tie-in question here from Joey Sarantino, got a crowded running back room. Depth is a, is a great problem to have, but you have four guys that are looking for adequate touches. How are we going to work that in? And you know, to kind of lead into that question, I really think that Blackshear is going to be an excellent option out of the slot. Um, I think he has great ball catching ability, and you know, you'll be able to flex him out. Um, but yeah, Pat, just kind of talk to me about or dive into that running back depth and trying to get everybody some touches. It is a lot. Is it? <clears throat> excuse me. It is a little wild to see how many running backs we're bringing in here. Herbert and uh, Blackshear here are two coming in as transfers. And then we have uh, two coming in uh, for this next class year. Or three coming in. We got Marco Lee. We have uh, Brunson and Hampton as well. And then on the current roster, you know, there's Wheatley. There's Holston. uh, We got guys like Caleb Stewart. uh, Obviously, Keyshawn King. And then Taj Gary, who's, I guess, still coming off that injury. He played very sparingly this past fall. So... Yes, there's bound to be some running back attrition. Do we know who is going to enter the portal or who might seek opportunities elsewhere? Uh, We do not. But being able to have super talented guys in a full room like this, this is what what I'm thinking that Jerry Kill wants to do, is he wants to really establish a solid run game. we're, We're churning out 225 or more yards a game on the ground. And if you have so many options to do that, um, you know whether you're lining up guys like um, Raheem Blackshear in the slot, um, we're going to have a lot of versatility and a lot of options uh, in the run game. Awesome. 
The Hoagie Watchmaker. Grades for our wide receivers. They are super talented, but would like your opinions. Is it fair for us to have higher expectations of the balls that appeared catchable? Um, here's my opinion on the wide receiving room. The wide receivers are extremely talented on this team from top to bottom. They make huge plays, but I think the thing that we seek the most out of the wide receiving room this year is consistency. It's something that we struggled with. Um, routine balls not being catched. Um, so I really think that, again, you have to realize there was so much change from week to week from who you're practicing with all spring and all summer and then having that switch and the offense kind of switch. And I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just giving you something else to think about. I think in all, I'm really excited to find consistency and find an identity on offense. And I think that comes along with more consistency out of the starting with the wide receiver room. Um, so that is hand in hand with the quarterback room as well. So I think that's something that we definitely need to watch for uh, entering 2020. Pat, let's get you back in on the fun here. From Tristan Rasich, uh, which coaching edition are you most excited about so far, and which player edition are you most excited about so far? Okay, coaching. Got to go with the defensive line here. Um, you know, love Charlie Wiles. I wish him the best of luck at uh, at NC State. It's definitely interesting that he's going to be at an HSC school, but um, you know, the fact that we don't really play NC State that much due to ACC scheduling is. Uh, kind of weird but um as far as this goes defensive line tap and tier link bill tier link new guy on the block daryl tap new guy on the block who used to be here so it's like he moved away from the neighborhood but came back and, and got a bigger house he's back on the block um if you are a defensive line recruit and you have the opportunity to play at virginia tech you have an opportunity to play for an alma mater who played in the nfl and also a coach who coached in the NFL. So if you want to write your ticket to the NFL and talk to guys who have a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience, these are two guys who are going to be able to do that. And I'm excited to see what they can do coaching wise, but I'm also really excited to see what kind of recruiting um, they can do as well. Uh, And then he says, uh, which player edition are you most excited about? After watching that two-and-a-half-minute video of Raheem Blackshear, I'm really excited for his new addition. Granted, he needs to get the eligibility, um, so you know, if not him, I'm excited for a, uh, you know, a guy like Khalil Herbert. Um, so we talked about the transfer portal last week on the last episode. Here's some positive transfer portal stuff uh, where we're on the receiving end of transfers coming in and potentially making an immediate impact. Jack Deuces United. I'm paraphrasing here. We are talking about the departure of Wiles, Mitchell, McLeese, and Keene. Grayson, do you believe that these departures are in any way related to what some people on Twitter call the bad Fuente culture? Um, Not my Not, not. Yeah, no, it's... uh, I actually, I don't believe that, uh, which is might surprise some people. I think McLeese, especially McLeese has two degrees. The kid is a college graduate now and sure he has one year of eligibility left, but he has done so much for us. Uh, probably played his best game in the belt bowl. If I'm being honest, um, is, has been a great running back for the Hokies, a great ambassador for the program 
and I wish him all the best. I don't think he's leaving because of any, I don't know, beef with Fuente or the culture or anything like that. Uh, I guess with Wiles and Mitchell, I mean, with with Coach Ham coming in, you got to clean. You got to clean house. You got to let him set up his defensive staff. It's that's only fair. It's just like when a new head coach is hired, he gets to build his staff. So I don't think there was any bad blood between Wiles or uh, Wiles and Fuente or Mitchell and Fuente. I mean, what do I know? But it, it didn't seem that way. It never seemed that way. Um, and then with Dalton Keene, I will say, with Keene, I am surprised he's entering the draft. That came, I think, as a shock to us all. We didn't really see that coming. The fact that Dalton Keene will never have a senior day against UVA in Lane Stadium breaks my heart. But uh, at the end of the day, it's guys, it's no different than anybody hopping in the transfer portal. These guys are making decisions that they think are best for them. And if Dalton Keene says, hey, man, it's time for me to go to the draft. Go, dude. Go. Like, you, you, I, you can't – I don't think you can peg that on bad culture. Yeah, I know people are saying, oh, his family was c- close with the Wiles family and <clears throat> yada, yada, yada. I don't you – can, you can speculate all you want, but I don't, I don't think that that has anything to do with it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't want to speak on something – that I don't really know anything about. Well, not to so mention that- he spoke on it himself and said that that wasn't that that wasn't the case. And I want to I want to something here. Uh, uh, Hokey history for Pat probably get excited about this. This really reminds me the Dalton Keene departure. Really reminds me of the uh, Terrell Edmonds departure. Something that you're not expecting. Somebody that pay that is a huge part of the leadership and um, kind of the identity of the football team. What I think it comes down to is everybody seeks an underlying uh, cancerous reason why someone decides to make a decision that they make. And at the end of the day, I think what it really is is, you know, think about it. When If Dalton comes back, what is he going to, like what part of his craft is he going to hone in on and get significantly better going into next year? I think in terms of... He hasn't of, already proved already. Exactly. You know? And being at a position like, like tight end where you're constantly, you know, you're, you're constantly blocking, constantly beat up, beating up your body. I think he's he's put together a great resume to go pursue what everybody's ultimate dream is for the most part if you're playing and 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 you know I'm, I'm really excited for him i hope that he gets a great shot and i think that we really need to stop looking at something and then trying to overanalyze it and, and, and get down to the micro or the mi- micro i always get those mixed up uh just try to find some underlying reason there um so that's kind of my opinion on that there's a question for the round table here from gilbert gallegos galileo gallegos if this next football season has a mediocre or less than 10-win finish in the season, is Fuente done? If not, then why? Gris. So I, I did speak on this a little bit last week, and we said that we were kind of going to do a state of the program this week. Things change. We're actually going to do that next week. Uh, I'll make this short and sweet. I think if we don't get if we don't have 10 wins next season – I think we got it. I think Fuente needs to go. That's my opinion. I've been very patient with with him. Uh, we'll talk about this more next week, and I'll tell you why next week. So definitely wait on that. But uh, I think after next season, if it if it's it's ten wins or bust, I'll put it that way. Boys, Pat. Pat. 
Uh, I'm expecting a 9-3 year next year, and if we win the bowl game, that's great. That gets us that 10th ten win. I want to win the Coastal. Uh, I think, you know, putting 10 and saying if it's not 10, he needs to get fired is kind of like, well, you got to evaluate a lot of variables that go into that, you know. And, uh, we could have Garden quarterback, you know, get hurt like happened this year, you know, and it throws your fan base into pandemonium. You don't know what to expect, uh, you know, with injuries and a lot of other variables. But I myself am, am predicting like a 9-3 and three type year, and I think it's hard to just say – Nine months out before the season, you know, it, it's you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. I think this team has a chance to be really good, returning a lot of players, and I think the expectation for Virginia Tech and this program should be winning ten plus games. Um, I'm not going to weigh in on whether you know, man, who's who's recruited the guys that are playing and put us in this position where we have a bunch of retiring or I'm sorry, returning players. Um, to go out there and, 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 and compete should Keeper lose his job based upon a number of wins and losses. Again, Pat, like you said, you have to evaluate the season from top to bottom and kind of see how things shake out. But it's going to be interesting. I, again, I think I love our chances next year. I'm really excited and um, fired up to see about that. Um, Pat, another question from Gilbert G. Galileo Gallegos. What sport at Tech, men's or women's, is the closest to winning a national championship? It's got to be wrestling. They're ranked in the top five. Our guy, Austin Gable, he'll say it later on this uh, this episode here whenever he posts it. Um, within the next three years, we should be very close to contending for a national championship. So, And I, I think that's kind of a no-brainer question uh, at this point. Um, women's soccer, you know, they had some nice runs a few years back. Um, you know, track and field, swimming and diving are all astounding programs but really right now it is wrestling a couple questions that i'll take here from uh or one question from andy bird here do you think anything will change with the situational offensive play calling along the lines of score more points when they are up only one or two possessions i to be completely honest i, mean, I really haven't had a, a problem with kind of the aggressiveness of uh, of our play calling um you know i hate i don't hate i do it a lot but a lot of what ifs here i mean you got the 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 safety thing from notre dame to be honest, I mean, as, as, as sucky as this sounds, we were the signature win for three different programs uh, over the course of this football season. And um, those teams put together incredible drives to come back and score at the end of the football game. And it's frustrating to see. But as far as just the Kentucky game, I think the right decision was definitely made on, um, <clears throat> on what to do with the goal line there. We got the ball back, didn't do what we needed to do with it. Um, I thought that was more execution, but you can can argue either way. Again, I think that next year a lot has to go into having more experience at the quarterback position, more reps, and um, just kind of having hopefully being in a position where the offense that we practice all all summer is the same offense that we can run during the season and kind of hone in on that and uh, be clicking on all cylinders. Follow up on that, Wacky Wecko. Thoughts on the blue chip ratio argument? i.e. roster has to be 50% four to five stars and four-year average to be in the argument for a national championship game. Do we think the recent hires can break that threshold? And if not, what do we change? Um, I definitely think that the goal of a lot of these new hires was to recruit them at a more effective level. I think that we've done a good job of that. You can look at the offensive line. Coach Weiss has done an incredible job with that. You can look at the quarterback room. Coach Korn has done an excellent job with that. 
um, wide receiver. I mean, we if you look from at our roster from top to bottom, one can argue we have more talent across the board than we've had in a very long time. Whether it's linebackers, whether it's you know returning defensive line, this is a very talented football team of uh, of a whole bunch of talent uh, that is coming back. But I do think the focus of a lot of these hires were to encourage those those blue chip kids and those highly talented kids from you know seven five seven and close to home to come to Virginia Tech, and I, uh, I'm hoping to see that as a trend that pans out moving forward. Um, Pat, question for you from Parks Talbot. Does the ba- basketball team stay hot and finish above UNC and UVA in the Atlantic Coastal Conference? Atlantic Coastal Conference. Down year for the ACC in basketball. It really looks like there's three teams that are definite locks right now for the tournament in uh, Florida State, Duke, and Louisville. Everyone else, you're going to get a lot of guys in the bubble. And uh, to the question, Carolina and University of Virginia, at this point, it's it's pretty safe to say that they're both trending down. Uh, UVA lost back-to-back games at Boston College and then uh, in overtime against Syracuse yesterday. And then Carolina is just more so a dumpster, dumpster fire. Tech is trending in the right direction. We've won two ACC games in a row or 12-4, 3-2 in conference. And uh, you know, as far as um, our next few games, like a lot of winnable games on the horizon here. We pull up our schedule real quick. Wake Forest on Monday, which uh, is, it's a winnable game right there. After Wake Forest, it looks like we have Syracuse again. Okay, Wake Forest is on Tuesday uh, on the road. Excuse me. Syracuse at home on Saturday. Both winnable games. Carolina at home the next Wednesday, uh, at BC that next Saturday, and then Miami uh, January 28th uh, in Coral Gables, and then a big showdown against Florida State on the 10th. Um, Excuse me. On the 1st, they're ranked number 10. Reading is hard, everyone. Uh, So we have this big game against Florida State, um, and we have uh, five games in between that are all winnable games. So we are trending up, and uh, I'm I'm really excited. I think top half of the ACC is realistic expectations at this point, which is pretty incredible considering uh, how we were predicted to finish last in the conference. So overall, an incredible job uh, by Mike Young and by his staff, too. And all by all these uh, young players. Couple rapid fire questions here for Grady Baker and Pat. I'm interested to see if you have the same answer as I do. If not, I'll weigh in on it. But um, Pat, due to numbers, we've had a void of senior leadership the last two years with uh, Dalton Keene declaring. Who steps in as a leader on the offensive side of the football next year? So I think Trey Turner. You know, you, when you turn a corner. From sophomore year to junior year, a lot changes. Whether like you know, I'm looking back at the organizations I was involved with on campus. Like once you're a junior, you're kind of like you know one of the older guys. Like people look to you for for guidance, for advice. Uh, you know, since you've been around for a while. And I think Trey Turner could be one of those guys emerging on the offense uh, this year uh, to take a leadership role. Additionally, I really would love to see it. Um, you know, out of whoever is going to be the quarterback, I would love to see a quarterback that kind of like really embraces a leadership role i mean you look at joe burrow you look at trevor lawrence these guys are just incredible leaders and if we could reciprocate that uh, in some way shape or form to whoever is starting uh, against liberty on september 5th 
I think that would be uh, very impactful for this offense. With a guy like Dalton Keene uh, departing early, you know, you're going to need to replace him uh, with Hokie leadership. I'm going to throw one more name in there. Um, every video that I have seen in the weight room, every time I have seen him on the sideline, I think Brock Hoffman is loved by this football team. And that guy's going to be bloodthirsty next year. I think he's going to be a great anchor to this offensive line that is going to be returning a whole bunch of youngsters next year. I am really excited to see him. You see him in the weight room carrying around the twenty, uh, the twenty twenty belt uh, when when we're going through Big Squad Friday. So I'm really excited to see uh, to see Brock next year. But um, definitely double down on your answers from Grady Baker again. Grayson, you are the only one fit to answer this question. Do they have a Virginia burger in California? <laughs> nice. Uh, not to my knowledge, but, uh, <laughs> Grady, oh man. <laughs> if any of you uh, over there on the, on the Golden Coast know of a Virginia burger, please let us know. So Grayson, you, can... you, you let me know where it is. I, I may have to do some research here in Los Angeles. Actually, you know what, Bill, you and I may have to go hunting here. Uh, we may have to go good bill hunting. I'm 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 all for it. It just has to be no bun, no carb bill. So uh, yeah, yeah, no, no bun, bun. no bun on the burger, no bun. Um, eating eating just straight patty. Yes. So to answer your question, Grady, I don't know, but that's a great question. So curious, yeah. curious what positions Bill, that's me, would like to see improvement for in 2020. Again, I think consistency is the most important thing that I want to see out of uh, improve next year. And if I have to pick two positions on each side of the ball that I want to see con- uh, improvement for in the consistency category, it would be the wide receiver position and the defensive back position. Um, I think our defensive backs were really young last year, um, and there's a lot of growth to be had there. Um, and getting Caleb Farley her- uh, healthy is obviously huge for that. Um, so, so that would be my answer. I have to shout out one thing that we really did well this season that I probably didn't touch on enough is our special teams were excellent this football season. Uh, whether it was heads-up plays like we saw in Notre Dame with our, uh, I believe it was Tavy, uh, I believe it was Wheatley who put his feet out of bounds, grabbing the ball to get the, the 15 yards, start on the 40. Um, whether it was Oscar Bradburn getting shafted from the Ray Guy Award, our special teams really were great for a football team that is so young. So that's something that I look to continue to be a difference maker moving forward. Question four. The uh, the Hokie history lovers here in Grayson and Pat um, from Grant Watson. Who is your who is on your Mount Rushmore of VT Electric players? It can be offense, defense, special teams. Someone that had the ability to score every time they touched it. I'm just gonna sprinkle my uh, my opinion on here, and it's recent. I thought Greg Stroman was so electric. Every time you saw him back for a punt, every time he got the ball in his hands on defense, uh, I thought he was a threat to score. But your hokey vernacular and history is definitely more uh, more wide than mine. So, Pat, I'll uh, I'll turn it over to you guys. Yeah, I'll take I'll put my Mount Rushmore out there first. I got David Wilson uh, every single time he touched the ball, whether it was out of the backfield catching a pass, whether it was running the ball, whether it was a kick return. Uh, you think of the Georgia Tech game in 2010, him streaking down the sideline. Andre Davis, same exact thing. Uh, Vic to Davis was always automatic, and Davis could return punts like the best of them. Continuing that trend, D'Angelo Hall, one of the best punt returners we've ever had, one of the fastest guys we have ever had. 
Uh, absolutely incredible player. And, uh, you know, even on defense, too. Give it to me, Roscoe. Give it to me against Miami in 03. And Kevin Jones. Kevin Jones was so good, so fast, so shifty, and scored so many touchdowns. That's a great Mount Rushmore. I wish, I wish Mount Rushmore was more than four faces because, I mean, this, there are so many of, so many just electric playmakers in hockey history. But on Mount, on my Mount Rushmore, y'all know, MV7, Michael Vick. Uh, is the George Washington of mine? I mean, like right out there in front. He's the only buddy. He, he's the only person that you can kind of see like their cravat uh, and part of their like suit on Mount Rushmore or whatever. So it would definitely be Michael Vick, Kevin Jones, like David Wilson, just broke tackles, speedy, highly talented recruit, probably the best running back that has ever played at Virginia Tech. Number three, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, same thing as Vic. Anytime the ball was in that man's hands, we had the chance to score. It's just the truth. And then I had somebody written down, but I actually changed my mind. Uh, Macho Harris. Macho Harris, anytime that man, whether it be a punt return, kick return, or he intercepted the football. Heck, sometimes we lined him up at wide receiver like we did with D'Angelo Hall. That man was a playmaker. Anytime the ball was in his hands, we could have scored. Didn't matter. So that's uh, that's my Mount Rushmore. Uh, big shout out to uh, No Carb Cran, John Cran, um, Cran Cam. Asked about the depth at uh, at tight end. Uh, would love to know your thoughts on the DK departure to the draft. He is ready and certainly wish him well. But what is the effect he had in the offense? Um, I mean, it's obvious. Dalton was the smartest guy in the field. Did all the dirty work, um, was monumental in the game against Miami uh, in that arguably turned this entire season around. Um, he will certainly be missed. But again, I think it's the best decision for him. Again, just I can't keep, uh, I can't not draw um, simulations to the Terrell Edmonds departure. Sort of a surprise, but I, I really think he's going to have success at that next level. Um, Karst, another question from Karsten here. Um, take the 2010 decade. You have the ability to go back and change the outcome of only one Virginia Tech football game. What would you like to change and why? Is that uh, a train? That's another train. I, guys, you know what? Uh, let's just address this now. I have a train carrying coal, carrying Toys R Us toys, carrying uh, uh, rails to tots. I don't know where it goes, but it pops on by, and they have really squeaky brakes. So every once in a while, you're going to hear a train on rolling on by. And you know what? That's just the way that it is. So, um, but yes, Pat, it is a train. Um, so I guess you two can take this question. Um, I think you have more of a of a wide vernacular. Again, I don't even know if that's right, but you guys definitely have a better uh, a better lens here. So, Grayson, go ahead. Great question. I think, like many other Hokies, who would agree with me, um, the Sugar Bowl after the 2011 season. Danny Cole caught that ball, and I flipped whoever flipped it in the booth. I'd flip it on its head one more time, and I mean, we should have won that game. We absolutely should have won that game. It wasn't. It was nobody's fault except the guys in the booth, and uh, we got we got screwed over. So without a doubt, the Sugar Bowl. Danny Cole caught it. Pat, what do you got, man? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna rewind one more season uh, back to 2010. 
And uh, the first game of the decade, September 6th, 2010, Boise State, Landover, Maryland uh, at FedEx Field. That game, man, like, if we could just get one more first down with Darren Evans with, what, two and a half minutes left, we give Kellen Moore the ball. He runs down. They beat us three, uh, 33 to 30. I think 11 seconds left is when they completed the pass. Uh as far as that goes, like I know we we lost to JMU, you know, four and a half days later, and then we reeled off eleven straight victories, and uh, it was a very special year. But my thoughts is, you know, I would have loved to beat Boise State. I don't think we lose to JMU if we beat Boise State, and then who is to say we we don't win those next eleven games? It would have been a very very different uh, postseason for Tech that year. I know we ended up getting worked by Andrew Luck and Stanford in the uh, the Orange Bowl that year. But even so, I uh, would have loved to see you know, what would have happened had we defeated Boise State and defeated JMU, and then you know, would we be able to uh, run the table after that? After uh, great answers from you two, I'd say the one that if, if I could change one from, from, from my time at Tech, it would definitely be the Tennessee game. Um, just... Absolutely hate Tennessee, hate Butch Jones, can't stand him, nothing sucks like the Big Orange, would have loved to change the result there, but it was a uh, it was a chemistry-building part Bristol. of the 2016 season, so um, that's my answer for that. Joey Sarantino, I am so fired up about this question. Let's have some fun with this here. What we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth here, go down the line of our favorite breakfast, lunch, dinner and late night grub spots in Blacksburg but before we do we want to let you know that the official spot to grab your food to grab your buds to grab your Long Islands is Sharky's it's where good friends go it's where the sons go and we love our Sharky's gift cards they love you. They love the students, love the fans. They love the Suns, and the Suns love them back. So shout out to Sharkies. We love you. It is where good friends go. But without further ado, let's throw on our college Pat, college gray, and college bill caps and talk about what we used to do back in the old day. Uh, let's start with breakfast, guys. I'm going to just go ahead and give me uh, your answers. I love Waffle House, regardless of where it is. If I couldn't sleep one day before we had a workout at 6, usually my rule was if I wasn't asleep by 2.30, 3 o'clock, I would just say, screw it. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'd feel worse if I got three hours of sleep. I'd just get up and go get a get a big Joe and then throw it up at the workout in the morning. It was, uh, it was a great little tradition. So loved my Waffle House and loved my Joe's Diner. The people there are incredible. The camaraderie, um, the biscuits and gravy. Ooh, love that. But um, go on ahead, Pat. Where did you eat your breakfastery? Oh, man, I'm actually going to keep it on campus here. I was a sucker for Chick-fil-A breakfast at Hokie Grill, man. And for the the older crowd, Hokie Grill is right next to Owen's Dining Hall. And they didn't add Chick-fil-A breakfast to the Chick-fil-A until, I think, fall of 2016. This was uh, my senior year campaign where we were loading up on chicken minis uh, before noon, which is awesome. Grayson, how about you, man? For breakfast, uh, I'm a big lefties guy. I love their breakfast burrito over there. It's fantastic. And then also brunch at Boudreaux's is undefeated. Go get you a Bloody Mary. Not a big Bloody Mary guy, but 
I love their uh, I love their shrimp po boys. Um, they they always have a, a great gumbo. Uh, a very interesting brunch. It's a it's a little different. It's a little Creole. It's a little Cocho Go Tigers. Um, but uh, lo- love me some some Boudreaux's and love me some lefties for for breakfast in the morning. So I lumped uh, Boudreaux's into my lunch, which is perfect because it's a great brunch spot. Uh, I got Boudreaux's in the lunch category here. It's a great place for drinks. Um, I know all the all the all the strat girls love to go down there um, on Sunday and grab some uh, grab some Bloody Marys, grab some juleps or whatever else uh, whatever else the, the strat girls are drinking nowadays. They love their Boudreaux's. Um, some great Creole food as well. It was always a great place to go on down. But also, I loved Sharky's for lunch. You go, you grab some wings. You grab. I used to love their salads because it's not even like eating a salad. It's like eating wings with some leaves around it, uh, which was which was dope. Kind of a way to think that you're being healthy. Um, and also, I loved, 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 loved Red Robin. Um, Red Robin is awesome. Uh, Christiansburg does not count. Okay, well then, Red Ramen is not on the list. Then I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh, my bad, Joey Sorrentino. I, I, uh, I didn't know you were on the podcast. But uh, go, go ahead, Pat. What's your lunch spot? <laughs> uh, I gotta put. Um, I was like pretty basic about lunch, you know. I was a big dining hall guy, but I'll, I'll, I'll double stamp Sharkies, man. I went to Sharkies a lot. Uh, in my undergraduate years, so I will uh, I'll double stamp the Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. For my lunch spot, I'm gonna since we do have our college caps on Owens Dining Hall, baby. Mm-hmm. Love me some Owens Dining uh-huh. Hall. Throw 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 everybody a curveball. Uh, chicken sows. General Sows. General Sows. Chicken Parm Day, boys. Chicken Parm Day. (laughs) Man, and they they recently did an overhaul on Owens. I don't even know if they do Chicken Parm Day anymore, and if they don't, then... That's a problem. That is a a serious issue. And then I'm... uh, For lunch, Sharky's is always great. I always did love, on Sundays, the the Wing Buffet, Undefeated. Mm -hmm. You go pay what, like thirteen bucks, and then get all you can eat wings mm. undefeated. Maybe a little Long Island iced tea, mm. maybe a California burger. I don't mm. know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got Not a Virginia burger. I gotta so. say, for lunch, if we're talking dining halls, I used to love going to West End. I got the Lond- I got double London broil with the mushroom gravy, mashed potatoes, bread, and um, I think I got double mashed potatoes actually. But I love the the London broil from uh, from West End. Um, Moving right along here to dinner, and I have something that I'm really passionate about here, and um, it may ruffle some feathers. Let's talk about Bull and Bones, man. It's where the recruits go. It's just, you know, it's horrible. Bull and Bones is so unbelievably overrated. They had they have two good things on the entire menu. Three good things. The the flight of beers is good, but it's a million dollars, and ain't nobody have has money for that. Number two, they used to have incredible rolls with awesome, uh, like cinnamon butter, and they got rid of that. And the wings, the wings are the only thing at Bowling Bones that are good. You're trying to tell me I have to drive a mile and a half off campus to get a good steakhouse or whatever? I, I'm just completely out on Bowling Bones. I think it is vastly, vastly overrated. Before I give you my dinner spots, do either of you have any opinions on Bowling Bones? There. 
I I love Bull and Bones. I hate to say it. I really do love Bull and Bones. Uh, I have a lot of good memories of Bull and Bones. Going there like after the spring game when I was a little kid, meeting D'Angelo Hall there. I do love their wings. They, I always thought that they had a pretty good steak and eggs for breakfast. Uh, Bill, I will say it is a travesty that they got rid of those rolls and the cinnamon butter. Come yes. on now. Yes. Uh, but I will say Bull and Bones is a graduated man's establishment. Uh, and anybody who's going there as a student, uh, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So it's so expensive. It's like if you're balling like that, I mean, pop off. But I'm not spending all that money for for what you get there. No it- offense. So my my dinner my dinner choices, and we'll we'll speed this up a little bit here. Uh, I absolutely love Sakura drive through. Um, drive through Japanese or Chinese, not really sure what it is. You get like the yum yum sauce. It's really, really good. They have horrible service, but the food is really good. The guy's always mean. That's not but... Sakura. Yeah, it is. It's the drive through. I don't think Sakura is the drive through. Sakura's in Christiansburg. Yeah, it's the drive through where you go through the drive through and you order like a plate with uh, scallops or, or filet mignon. Not the one Actually, where you have that. Sakura's like a sit down steakhouse. What's the one where, where you go to the drive through? Panda Express. No, no, I'm pretty sure it's Sakura, dude. There's one where it's a drive through and it's bad service. It's red lighting. All right, we're gonna need a uh, uh, we're gonna need some follow up from the Twitter folks. Please, what's the one with the drive through and it has the big jug of yum yum sauce they bring you and the service is always horrible. Um, that's that's what I that's that's what I like. Um, and they have the 3D printed um, scallops. And then also Saki House, the quarterbacks loved it. Michael Brewer, shout out. Chris Durkin, shout out. Chase Muma, shout out. Josh Jackson, shout out. Every Monday, half off sushi. Used to house. But now I, now the deal is like if I can't get to the beach within three hours, I'm not eating sushi. But never got food poisoning there from there. So shout out, uh, shout out to Saki House. Guys, Pat. Uh, the cellar is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. They have the best food. It is so good. My dinner spots are cellar and sharkies. If I'm going back to Black Sprig, I usually go to one of the two uh, for dinner. And then El Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> Arroz con pollo, Jumbo, Texas, dancing around to the heavy beating uh, Mexican music. It is amazing. That place rules. I, I got to stamp that, Pat, but I'm going to one-up you, man. Gucci L-Rods. Uh-huh. G- G- Gucci L-Rods <laughs> over in First and Main. They have that, like, white ranch sauce mm-hmm. or whatever that comes with the chips. And the one the uh, the one down by uh, Collegiate Court doesn't have it. So got to go to Gucci L-Rods. Their Eros Compoyo has also, like, onions and a bunch know. of, like, Ooh. grilled peppers. Nice little, accent, nice little accent there, Grayson. Oh, hey, you man, rolled that hey. R. Dude, my my little brother's a Spanish major, so being around him, he's just like arroz. <laughs> so, shout out Hampton uh, for making sure that I don't just say arroz con pollo. No, um, it's arroz con polo. Arroz <laughs> con polo. Um, Gucci arroz is great. I'm a big Avellino's guy, formerly known as Sal's Italian. Their yes. pizza, their cheese pizza, is so good yes. i used to go there on sundays i would get like a medium pie just for myself that's why i gained 15 pounds my senior year and here we are trying to lose it <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out avalinos and then not technically in blacksburg but every hokey knows about this man the home place uh, love the home place man go there for dinner you get the fried chicken the sweet tea 
the mashed potatoes, the biscuits, the all cornbread. Time. It's all. It's. I mean, that's just down home Southern cooking right there. I miss that place all time. Uh, got to go back. Got to go back. Um, here we go. So le- uh, lightning last two for late night, and uh, we're gonna lump late night and pizza together here. For late night, I'm just gonna come out and say it. Stop eating Jimmy John's. That is absolutely disgusting. For all of you being dragged down the tot stairs, it's the, I like Jimmy John's. Stop. It's it's play doh. It doesn't taste good. They cut one side of the bread. Leave the sandwich making to Jersey Mike's. Y'all don't know what you're doing. So it's freaky fast if you need a sandwich in 12 minutes. But other than that, there's no excuse to be eating that. Um, I used to love to go to DP Doe. DP Doe was my choice. Um, you got the chalkboard. You could write on the chalkboard. You know, write some stupid stuff. Plug your Instagram. Plug your Twitter. Plug your TikTok if that's what kids are doing now. Used to love DP Doe. Would get the buffer zone or the barbecue chicken zone. Two cups of ranch. Two cups of marinara. I'd usually get both. To be honest, all uh, all fatness aside, and uh, that's would be would be my move. Um, so, guys, what was your late night late night uh, late night fix? So, like. My lunch spot, I'm going to start with the dining hall. Freshman year, man, it was DX, dog. Mm. DX, you go there, get a get a wrap, get a chicken wrap, or get the little chicken tenders and a Powerade. Ugh. And you would just swipe. You know, it's on the meal plan. You, you rally your boys on your hall, and you go go over there. That was always great. But as far as Blacksburg establishments are concerned, Bill, love DP Doe. Uh, I can't even remember what I got there. Uh, so I'm not going to mull that over too long, but, uh, Benny's love Benny's man. And you can hate on it all you want, but there is nothing like going to top of the stairs, getting a rail. And then after getting a rail and eh, you know, it's late night. Oh, it's almost time to go home. Nope. Stop. I'm going to walk uh, about a block away and go get a slice of pizza at one in the morning. Um, so love Benny's. Those are mine. Pat, what do you got, man? So you were talking about Tots. One of the uh, underrated things that Tots would do, I don't know if they still do it, but they give out dollar slices from PKs uh, late night at Tots. And I used to just say, why why go anywhere else? We got some leftover slices from PKs for a dollar. I'm going to get two. You know, I'm I'm not driving. I'm going to get two pieces of pizza from... uh, (laughs) <laughs> from tots pks whatever that was always awesome and then dp Doe as well i am definitely not on team benny's as a jersey pizza and pizza connoisseur billy can stamp this as well um yeah it's it, drunk food yeah. that's what it is it's lunch it, it's late night only there's no reason to go there other than at one o'clock in the morning if you if it but i mean it's good you dip it in a cup of ranch when you're when you're feeling a little shmeesh and um, you know, it's not it's 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 all right. But to say that it's a delicacy and is and would be good outside of a college da- town is, is is just a fallacy. But hey, it's 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 all part of the it's all part of the experience. To wrap it up here, last question: Pizza. Um, as far as I'm concerned, PKs has the best pizza in Blacksburg. Um, my Sunday tradition would be I would order. Uh, the oh God, I'm I'm just making myself sound just massive. I used to order on Sunday when we had our day <laughs> off. We would I'd order uh, a tray of barbecue and a tray of mild wings. They came shredded, so there was no bone, so you could eat it faster. And then I would have a uh, a large pepperoni mushroom pizza with eight cups of ranch, and I'd sit on my uh, big recliner with <laughs> Ricky and Timmy would both look at me and call me fat. And I would devour all of it. So that's that was my Sunday tradition. I want to also say that shout out to the Beast. When money was running low, you'd go on the hook the hook app 
and it'd be like, get two large pizzas from The Beast for three ninety nine, and you're like, are they 3D printing these pizzas? What is going on? <laughs> the Beast always had an expensive pizza. Pat, best pizza. Uh, I'm huge on PK's Pizza, as I just said. I also really like the Cellars Pizza, yes. as I kind of touched down earlier. And also, Serratano's is low-key, very underrated pizza. Um, I think it's terrific. Uh, just from like you know sorority fraternity date functions, I know they have mm-hmm. there at the Seratanos. I don't know if anyone's ever been to Seratanos outside of one of those functions. Uh, I have not. I'm not sure, but they have the the thin crust. It's really good, and uh, yeah, those are kind of my uh, my top three. Guys, notice one thing real quick. On out of all of these restaurants, breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch, late night, none of us said Cabo fish taco and guess what pat may disagree with me all he wants to but i'm gonna say this bill you kind of went on your little rant about bull and bones cabo fish taco and all, all y'all sorority honeys i'm about to i'm about to ruin your whole life cabo fish taco sucks that place is the most overhyped overrated mediocre restaurant in all of blacksburg you will never catch this son of saturday in that place their margaritas are overpriced. Their food is overpriced. We don't want you, bro. We don't <laughs> want you. Nothing, Put a sock in it. Nothing in that joint. Everything I get there gives me indigestion. I'm 24 years old. I don't get indigestion. What are you talking about? And everyone's like, oh, you're not getting the right thing. No, I'm not. I've tried like not, five things bro. on the menu. You're yeah, getting all right. the wrong thing. You've what never got. You've never gotten the garlic buffalo shrimp tacos you've never gotten their burritos you probably have, haven't oh, 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 i have gotten their burritos i have gotten their chicken and rice burrito and guess what it gave me heartburn again 24 <laughs> years old yes oh, and i'm sorry i'm sorry i paid 13 dollars for that burrito why would i do that when i can pay 7.69 for one at chipotle that's way bigger and way better uh yeah cabo fish taco ain't for grayson uh okay Indigestion, yeah, so. maybe because there's red onions, okay? <laughs> red onions give you indigestion. Maybe next time say no red onions for me. Maybe please. just because it sucks. How about that? Oh Did you gosh. ever think about that? Grow up. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go. I've never been before, so maybe I can weigh in and bring some clarity. <laughs> yeah, to this. Bill. Bill, don't waste your time. It's if, it's I know over, overpriced mediocrity is what it is. So wrong. You are go there so if you want to break the bank. You are so wrong. Go there <laughs> if you want to break the bank for not great food and heartburn. When is eleven dollars for an entree breaking the bank? When is fifteen dollars for a margarita not breaking the bank? Is that what it that costs? Not true. That is true. No, it's not. That is true. It's so true. You're not in New York City. This is Blacksburg. You pay what is it? Eight bucks? Fifteen bucks? No, question dude, no. question I'm... question for the sons and daughters of Saturday. We will throw it on Twitter. Give us your opinions on the Cabo Fish Tacoery. We will also ask for you detectives out there. Let us know how much a margarita costs at Cabo Fish Taco. We need you to find out. This is a serious problem. It is causing it is causing a stir between the sons, and we want no stirs. Aside from that, guys, this was a ton of fun. We love the letters from the lunch pail. Consistently uh, send us your questions. We will get to them. And um, we look forward to next week. We have some great stuff coming up. Uh, Grayson, really looking forward to being on the West Coast. And and Pat had to drop off a little early. uh, But, Grayson, let's run through this uh, national championship game. You want to run through kind of what you see and what you're thinking here? Yeah, man. So tomorrow, 
is the time has come, y'all. There is one college football game left in this season. Uh, it is Joe Burrow and Coach O versus Dabo Sweeney and Trevor Lawrence in the Tiger Bowl in the Tiger National Championship. And I, I think this will shape up, honestly, to be one of the best national championship games in a long time. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, you know, LSU has kind of had a habit of just bludgeoning every team that they play. They put the beat down on Oklahoma, who maybe had no business in the playoffs to begin with, but that's a different conversation. So on LSU side, they have uh, a lot of impact players. Their impact players are wide receiver Justin Jefferson, safety Grant Delpit. They're running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That kid's a stud. Cornerback Derek Stingley. And then, of course, Heisman Trophy winner and quarterback Macaulay Culkin, grown up, Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, kid's a beast. Kid is an alpha male at its textbook definition. Uh, I think he's going to go off tomorrow. I think he's fired up. On the Clemson Tigers side, they have um, their own set of impact players, such as Tyler Davis, wide receiver, the big bad, probably first receiver taken in the draft, T. Higgins, uh, linebacker Isaiah Simmons, running back Travis E.T.N., and, of course, Sunshine himself, Trevor Lawrence. Um, This game is going to be – I think very fast. I think it's going to be very high scoring. I think it may turn into a shootout. Um, I'm excited, Bill. Bill, I know you're a big Bayou Bengal fan. What do you uh, What do you expect to see tomorrow? I I, I got to tell you, these are two teams that have excellent uniforms and excellent colors. Charismatic coaches. Um, it is in New Orleans. A lot of family down there. A lot of a uh, lot of Hurting Saints fans, you know, it's been a tough, uh, it's been a tough couple weeks for, for, for Saints fans, obviously. I really do think this is a destiny thing for LSU. The one thing to be weary of is I really, I wouldn't bet this game because LSU seems like the teen of destiny, but people are really discounting the history and the chemistry that uh, Clemson has built over this year. They have a championship pedigree. They have arguably one of the most NFL ready prospects that we have ever seen possibly ever uh, a lot of Andrew Luck comparisons Peyton Manning comparisons um, but this is this is a truly tested team that has been there done that and um, maybe feeling a little disrespected by how kind of out of the scope of, of possibility them winning sounds like um, so it's a stay away from me but I do think that LSU finds a way to do it and what a story that would be for Coach O for, um, for Joe Burrow and uh, and the entire state of Louisiana, as Coach O likes to say. So I think LSU wins. I think it is a phenomenal football game. They're going to be – love love the purple accent. Uh, love the jerseys that we're going to see and love just everything about this game. And, you know, shed a single tear for the end of the college football season. It has been one hell of a, of a ride and really looking forward for it to get back. Um, so I'll go Tigers by one score in a close game. Grayson, what's your prediction? I think the Tigers win by 10 points. Okay. I think I, I think they're at the end. Maybe they'll end up pulling away. I'm going to go LSU 27, Clemson 17. 
There it is. There are your score predictions. Thank you, everybody, so much for your for your submissions. But um, look forward to next week. Look forward to what's to come. And thank you so much. We will talk to you again soon.